Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, so Matt, what do you get when you drop a piano down a mine shaft? Mm, I don't know. A flat minor. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. I like to do stuff while Adam's doing the intro. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just to screw with him, he's like, what, what's he doing? Yeah, what's I'm like, doing? I can see it in his eyes and he's still going. I'm doing the intro, but I'm like <laughs> cutting to where he's reaching for candy. And, you know, it's, uh, it, he, he just likes distracting me is all it is. But the good thing is I have that intro down pat. I don't, you know, I, it's second nature now. I'm testing, I'm testing Adam because. I'm like chewing while he's talking. Oh, it, it's I'm gonna, eating good in place. It's gonna kill me in editing. I'm gonna. <laughs> I swear. Like I said, just sometimes I just like to screw around with it. Yeah, it's a good thing that we're on separate channels, so I can <laughs> mute your ass. <laughs> we have a thing of like good and plenties. It's been laying on the on the desk for like I don't know a month. I can't believe we haven't eaten them all. <laughs> I know, because we eat them every time we're sitting here. Unless Adam is replacing the box and not telling me. No, nope. It's the same box. Same box. Uh, it's the uh, never-ending good and plenty box. <laughs> so that'll be there for years. Um, real quick, we wanted to say thank you guys for hanging with us through the dark week and then the semi-dark week. And we wanted to ask y'all if y'all liked our Patreon preview that we put out there for you guys. Um, if y'all like that kind of stuff, a little bit different, a little more laid back, you know, go, uh, go get on Patreon and you can hear that yeah. often. We, that's what we do over there. We, you know, we enjoy it. We have a good time. It's fun. And yeah, most of them are funny to, to some degree. Right. And they're, you know, that where they're, or they're just strange. They're, they're stories that we normally wouldn't share right on, uh, on a regular episode, but. They're shorter, you know, they're fun they're and not really PG. Most yeah, of the time. not, they're not PG, maybe, maybe PG 13. Yeah. Most of the time, PG 13. <laughs> I think there was an R rated one, one time, once. but once, you know, that's, we got a little heated. It wasn't us. The material was more yeah, R rated, yeah. but sure, blame the material, blame the material. Always. <laughs> um, real quick. We wanted to thank a couple people for sending us some stuff. We wanted to thank Rebecca from soul on fire. You can find her on facebook on the soul on fire page that's s-o-l-e um she sent us some amazing chucks that have our logo painted on there yeah they're and they're incredible it's it's amazing i mean i'm i'm almost afraid to wear them they're so cool I know. <laughs> you know i put them on and then i'm like i'm gonna mess these up so i put them on the shelf but <laughs> i'll end up wearing them like to our next live event or something yeah you know? so yeah. Uh, but go check her out. It's soul S O L E on fire on Facebook. Um, we also want to thank Christina for sending us some Mothman stickers that she designed. Those are really mm -hmm. cool. Um, and we appreciate that very much. They're going to have a place in the graveyard here. Um, you can check her out on Instagram at the Crescent hair H A R E, uh, to see her artwork and designs and stuff. And if you guys want to send us something that we can talk about on the show, it's P.O. Box 941, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37077. Um, no haunted stuff. and yeah, no um, cursed items. Yeah, please no cursed items. And it's it probably hard to send food because I only check it like once a week. Yeah, so, no, no edibles. And I mean, unless it's, you know, it can sit for a week. Nothing that needs to be refrigerated, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tonight 
we're we're doing things a little bit different. We've done this before, and you'll hear us you'll hear us do this on Patreon every once in a while, where one of us does all the bulk of the research on a topic, and the other one is just here for witty commentary. Yep. <laughs> so for the the next two weeks, um, you're gonna hear Adam and I do just that. We're gonna essentially teach the other one the topic and get the real reactions and input from the other one. So tonight Adam is going to be doing that. The next show I will be doing it, but Adam's first out of the gate. So tell us, what are you going to tell us about tonight, Adam? All right. So tonight it's a story that some of y'all have probably heard. Um, It's been around in Fortiana for probably centuries now. Um, And, I have not heard a show do this yet, so I thought it would be interesting to do. Um, we are going to look at the story of the Green Children of Woolpit. And it's a story that I heard years ago when I was a kid. And it's been one of those that's kind of fascinated me for a little while, but I've never done any like in depth research into yeah. it, you know? So this was a good excuse for me to do some in depth research into a kooky story. Yeah. This is like one of those stories that you're, you're scrolling through your, your Facebook newsfeed and you know, somebody has shared us, you know, check this out and you're like, well, okay. And so right. you, you click it. And I mean, that's, that's really the first I'd ever seen of anything like it. In fact, when Adam said, I'm going to do this, I was like, what's that? And when he started telling me about it, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that before. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting and I refrain from doing any more in-depth research so I can hear all this just like you. And I appreciate that. (laughs) So, all right, so let's get into it. So the story takes place in the village of Woolpit or in old English, it would be Wolfpit, um, which was apparently named after this old pit that they dug for catching wolves that was located in Suffolk, <laughs> East Anglia. It was called Wolf Pit because there was a pit for catching wolves. Yep. I mean, you know. It, I'm glad they got so creative. What's over there? Oh, it's Wolf Pit. Well, the town or the the, the pit the hole, you know. <laughs> so apparently they had a wolf problem. And yeah, so they uh, they were trying to get rid of them with this wolf pit. Um but in Old English, it was spelt W-U-L-F-P-Y-T-T. So, kind of wolf pit. Sure. But, you know, not the way I would spell it. Um, now, in the Middle Ages, it laid within what was the most agriculturally productive and densely populated area there in rural England. Um, the village had belonged to uh, the rich and powerful Abbey of Berry Street, Edmonds. Um, now this account of the green children of Woolpit dates all the way back to the 12th century, and it was recorded by two different 12th century chroniclers. Now the first was Ralph of Cogstall. He ended up dying in 1228 AD. Um, he was an abbot of a Cistercian monastery in Cogstall. Um, and he recorded his account of the green children in his book, called English Chronicle um, in a old English couple of words that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to. <laughs> um, I tell you what, old English words are just as hard to say as some of the some of the crazy words we've gotten in other languages. Yeah, and it, it's something like chronicon anglicanum. There you go. But, you know. Sounds I said good. I wasn't going to say like it, but it. I said it anyway. You said it. Yeah, right. um, the other guy who recorded it was William of Newburgh, and he lived from 1136 to 1198. Um, he was an English historian and canon at the Augustinian Newburgh Priory. Now, that was far to the north of Yorkshire, um, and he includes the story in his main work, History of English Affairs. Um the writer stated that the events took place within the reign of King Stephen, which was 1135 to 1154, in what was known as a rather tumultuous time in England's history. They called it 
quote, the anarchy in the mid-12th century. Um, they also say it could have been during King Henry II, 1154 to 1189. Um, there's some there's some argument about exactly when it took place, but it was so long ago that we'll forgive them for a little bit of the That's right. the dates being a problem there. Um, so let's get into the actual story. So next to the wolf pit that we talked about, a boy and his sister were found by reapers who were working the field at harvest time. Now their skin was tinged with a green hue, their clothes were made from unfamiliar materials, and their speech was unintelligible to the reapers. They apparently crawled out of a cave hole type thing and came up to the reapers. Um, they couldn't be understood, you know, so it, it was a, a language that was unfamiliar to the people of this village which honestly in that time wouldn't be that difficult, you know, right. if they were from another country or whatever, you may not, you know, you may not even recognize it. Like now I can't speak German, but I can recognize German because I've heard it enough, you know? Right. Well, during that time, they probably wouldn't have recognized it. So, you know, keep that in mind as we go through and as we go through some of the theories. Now they were taken to the village where they were eventually accepted into the home of a local landowner named Sir Richard DeCane at Wilkes. Now, the children would not eat any food presented to them, but they looked like they were starving. Now, eventually, the villagers brought around recently harvested beans. That's what did it for the kids. The kids devoured those beans. They survived only on beans for many months until they acquired a taste for bread. The boy ended up becoming sick, and he soon succumbed to some illness and died. But the girl remained in good health and eventually lost her green-tinged skin. Now, she learned how to speak English and was later married to a man at King's Lynn in the neighboring county of Norfolk. According to some accounts, she took the name Agnes Barr, and the man she married was an ambassador of Henry II. Now, these details haven't actually been verified, so... You can imagine that far back, kind of hard to verify the details of, you know, a lowly peasant family. Now, after she learned how to speak English, she relayed the story of their origins. The girl reported that she and her brother came from the, quote, land of St. Martin, where there was no sun but a perpetual twilight. All the inhabitants of the land of St. Martin were actually green like they were. Now, she described another luminous land that could be seen across a river from the land of St. Martin. Now, she and her brother were looking after their father's flock when they came upon this cave. They entered the cave and wandered through the darkness for a long time until they came out on the other side, entering into bright sunlight, which they found to be pretty startling since they lived in a land of perpetual twilight. So, they... They got lost in the cave. They were in in wherever they thought they were from and got lost in the cave. And when they came out on the other side, they were in Woolpit? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. They, uh, they entered this cave and just walked in it and apparently got lost. And they just kept walking. And as they were getting, they noticed, you know, brightness on the other end of that tunnel. So they kept walking. And then they came out of this cave and there were the the reapers that were harvesting grain so now that now that's that's weird mm -hmm. that i mean that's really weird right that that would make you think this saint martin that they're from would have to be close because i mean you know what they, they they walk through a cave that's like 400 miles long yeah they're not they, going to travel for days and nights you know, it didn't say yeah. that they traveled for a week or something in this dark cave. It was just they wandered around for a while and then popped out on the other side. Hmm. So one of the things that it makes me think of is what we've talked about before, time slips. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about um, portals. It could be any of any of these things, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, 
touch on some of those in the theories yeah, here in a little bit. I'm jumping the gun. I know. Um, now, here's a supposed quote from her from one of the accounts that was written. It says, quote, We are inhabitants of the land of St. Martin, who is regarded with peculiar veneration in the country which gave us birth. We are ignorant of how we arrived here. We only remember this, that on a certain day we were feeding our father's flocks in the field. We heard a great sound, such as we are now accustomed to hear at St. Edmund's when the bells are chiming. And whilst listening to the sound in admiration, we became on a sudden, as it were, entranced and found ourselves among you in the fields where you were reaping. She says, quote, the sun does not rise upon our countrymen. Our land is little cheered by its beams. We are contented with that twilight, which among you precedes the sunrise or follows the sunset. Moreover, a certain luminous country is seen not far distant from ours and divided from it by a, by a very considerable river. So in that quote, it's basically, that quote says that she, they didn't enter the cave. They just heard this tolling of a bell, and then all of a sudden were in front of these reapers. So before we get into medical theories or anything like that, what, Matt, what does that make you think of? What, what, what are your first impressions of that story? Well, the fact that they're green. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> well, skin color changing because of a diet is not unheard of. I mean, that's, that's a scientific fact that it can happen. Now, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of it being tinted green outside of this story. But definitely orange. I mean, one of one of my one of my older children when she was little, she loved sweet potatoes, carrots, squash, all the yellowy orange foods. Right. You know, when we're feeding baby food, she loved them and ate them all the time. She looked like she had a little suntan. Yes. You know, because she was kind of tinted orange from eating all of that you know, the, the beta carotene and everything that's in yellow, orange vegetables. That's called carotenemia. Uh-huh. Um, and I happen to have some of that we'll get into here in a little <laughs> bit, but you talking about it, I had to go find the word in my notes. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, it's not unheard of, but I've never, I've never personally heard of anybody else being tinted green. Right. You know, now there's there's that guy that you see pop up on the internet that's blue mm -hmm. because of colloidal some, silver. Yeah. Yep. You know, but there's there's a legitimate scientific reason as to why he's this color. Mm -hmm. So I would, I guess, if that's all you lived on, if you didn't eat red meat, you know, or or meat at all, not even bread, which makes me wonder what are they raising the sheep for? Right. You know. Making, I guess, just wool, making clothes, and yeah, you know, sheep's milk. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But if if all you consumed were green vegetables, then I guess you know it, it could turn your skin green. Yeah, um, you know that the you're hitting on the thing. A lot of people, you know, they get focused on the the green color. Um, because that's the most striking thing about the story. Yeah. But it's not the weirdest thing about the story. Uh, no, really, it's not. Um, you know, uh, we'll dive into some medical conditions that I, I was able to find that, you know, we'll talk about skin color and stuff like that. But before we get into that, you know, I, the thing that gets me more, more so than the skin color is the land that they were from. Yeah. The land of St. Martin. That's the one that throws it way out of way out of whack for me. Right. There's a theory that someone put out that possibly they were like, you know, held captive. Yeah, that's what I was. You know, and about. let go out of this cave. Um, but I don't know that, you know, even kids and 
especially as they grew up, would they not, would the lady not then say, no, you know, we were held captive in this cave back when we were kids, we thought it was, you know, our land or whatever. Um, another theory is that maybe they came from a country or a small village that didn't speak the same language as the villagers in Woolpit, but the kids would know that, don't you think, that they wandered, you know, over to this other land? It, it would it would make sense that they would they would know and understand that, especially they, if they seemed intelligent enough to like she learned English, right? You know, I mean they, and they understood what not to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you go visit, think about it. If you go visit somewhere, you know, different. Say for me, you know, I've never been to the Far East, right? So let's say I go to the Far East. I, I I understand that when I go eat at an Asian restaurant in the U.S., I, I am eating the Americanized version of Asian food. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I go over there, I'm going to see some things that I'm thinking that's not food. Right. I'm not going to eat that, but yet I'm going to witness other people eating it. So it's going to tell me. Even if it's something I've never seen, oh, this is food. Mm-hmm. They eat this here, so maybe I should try it. It seemed like, it, as the story goes, they they weren't eating it because they didn't realize it was it was food. They weren't eating it because something about however they were brought up said we don't eat this. Right. We don't. Right. They they knew it was food, but they opted not to eat it. Correct. It, it wasn't something that appealed to them. But obviously recognized beans mm-hmm. and said, we'll eat that. Yep. And we're pretty hungry. Yep. So that that goes back to the green skin a little bit is if they, you know, were raised on beans. I don't know how you could live to be of any age if the only sustenance you got was beans. There. Well, I certainly couldn't live with anyone else if all I ate was beans. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen to that. Um, but you know that maybe there could be some kind of skin discoloration from chlorophyll overdose. You know, like your body sure. just has too much chlorophyll. But you know, we'll get to that in a minute. The um. The the thing that I keep thinking is there's two different basic accounts of how they came to be found. And one is that they entered a cave, came out on the other side, and then they were in Woolpit, came from the land of St. Martin to Woolpit through a cave. The other is that they heard a loud bell ringing, and then bang, they were in front of the reapers in Woolpit. Both of those, to me, sound like some kind of teleportation-type event where, you know, caves have a history of being mysterious and, you know, because they're dark and you don't know what's in there and all that. But, you know, we to this day have a lot of weird stuff that happens in caves. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the stories that we research during time slips and, you know, time travel and all that had caves that were involved with it. So could there have been open your mind? Let's just reach out into this <laughs> realm of weird Fortiana. You got to be pretty accepting to buy into what's coming next. Exactly. <laughs> you know, could there have been, they wandered into this cave and they entered a, a time slip, portal something that was in this cave they didn't know it and they came out in a different time and place and that's why you know their land of saint martin was in constant twilight mm-hmm. um they're not speaking the same language anything like that to me with the research that we've done and what we've read and everything that is a possibility sure you know, it, it's not beyond the realm of something I could grasp. Well, if if we're going to try to explain the story of their arrival, you know, we could 
we could come up with anything. But if we're going to use what we we generally, I won't say what what's accepted, but things that are considered in situations like this, you know, a, a portal or a time slip fits in there. You know, if, if we're, if we're going to be open to all possibilities, either they were, were wandering in a cave that somehow transported them to Woolpit when they came out the other side, there they were, or, you know, there was some type of portal, um, or even like, you know, an, an inner interdimensional opening that right. allowed them to slip through. Right. And, you know, they, they were hearing the bells that could have been on the other side of that, of that opening. Right. And they just followed it through. Next thing you know, they're like, well, how in the world did we get here? We, we don't speak the language. We don't understand where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, but in time, we're able to communicate where they came from and, yep. and how. But even then, you know, that's got to, I mean, you're standing here listening to two green kids tell you this story. I mean, you know. Like, exactly. What is going on? And, and we, <laughs> Am I being punked? Right, right. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher back in those days. Um, you know, that we, we've heard stories of there being bleed over of sound in time slips where you don't mm-hmm. see anything. You just hear noises from another time. So that, that's a possibility. Um, one of the other theories is that they actually, it, it goes to the hollow earth theory or the underground city theory. And let's not talk hollow earth because I'm not a big hollow earth advocate here, but I will discuss underground cities. You know, if, because we, we have historical evidence of certain races of people that did dig a bunch of, you know, living quarters underground and would live underground during certain times of the year or invading parties would come in. And so they would, you know, go underground and there's those cities that are dug underground. Mm -hmm. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities to have an underground city. If there was a, you know, a clan of people that lived underground and the people of Woolpit didn't know that. And, you know, these people at some point in the past had gone underground. Well, they wouldn't get full sunlight. They wouldn't get twilight from holes in the ground, stuff like that. They wouldn't be able to, you know, grow all the foods that they could up above ground. Um, their pallor would probably change. Yeah. You know, they would become pale and paleness, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Paleness can lead to green skin tone, depending on what your melanin in your skin already is. Yeah. If you have a certain skin tone and then you get paler, you may look a little green. And that's a possibility because if, if we're talking about an underground society, the thing about green vegetables, you know, green plants in general, you know, the chlorophyll, they rely on sunlight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they didn't have a bunch of grow lamps, right. You know, back then to, to do this. So either they, they were, you know, surface dwellers. Sounds weird to say, (laughs) you know, but if we're talking about this, so if if they were surface dwellers, they would, they would have the ability, but even in an environment where it's like, if you think about like Greenland, Iceland, Alaska, you know, the, the Northern areas that experience the, the Northern lights and that have those, those long periods where it's, it's almost like dusk where, where day, daylight consists of, you know, maybe two hours. Right. And then the rest of the time, it's never really dark, but it's never really bright either. Mm-hmm. I would think that growing green leafy vegetables in that environment would be difficult. Would be difficult, yeah. You know, without some, at least, you know, several hours of direct sunlight. Yeah, or technological advances. Yeah. You know. So, oh man, that you, you're opening up even more now. Yeah, that, that's a whole <laughs> nother episode, um, which we do have those planned. 
Hi, I'm Lainey, host of the True Crime Fan Club podcast, and I'm excited to tell you about my brand new podcast called It's Haunted, What Now? It's a podcast that brings you true stories about haunted objects and the owners who unknowingly welcome them into their lives. Join me as I share these creepy, spooky, and downright terrifying stories. You can find It's Haunted, What Now? on your favorite podcatcher or at hauntedpod.com. Let, let's move past how they got here and let's get into some medical explanations that people have put forth for green skin. Yeah. So one of the first ones that you're going to come across all the time, if you search green children of wool pit, or if you, you know, search what makes my skin green, you know, Google, <laughs> You got to love Google searches, you know? <laughs> so now my Google searches, if I put what in there, the first thing that pops up is what causes green skin. Yeah. But you should see my Google history. That's I'm on a watch wanna... list somewhere. <laughs> the government's keeping tabs on me. That's right. Everybody, everybody's watching. Yeah. This guy's looking up green people, time slips and <laughs> Nessie. What, what's going on with this guy? Um, so the first one, that we'll talk about is hyperchromic anemia. Now, there are different types of anemia, and hyperchromic anemia is a generalized term that represents pretty much all of these types of anemia. Now, in the early days, anemia was known as green sickness due to its tendency of creating green patches at different areas of the body. Now, it's normally caused due to iron deficiency. And the people who are affected with this kind of anemia, you know, that causes this green skin would normally find it difficult to breathe and feel tired all the time. Now, anemia does create extreme pallor, and extreme pallor is fairly suggestive of this light green, like we were talking before, the expression green about the gills. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that, you know, real pale color, you can look, quote, green around the gills. Um, so one of the questions that's asked, is this cultural or color based? Like, are you legitimately turning green all over from this anemia or is it just a cultural thing that you say they're green, even though they're a different color? Um, now there are examples of people who are described as having green skin through dietary eccentricities that you can find mm -hmm. online. But that's a whole different thing. Um, now, strangehistory.net points out that the people in Woolpit would have had children with this condition because anemia was common back in those days because of poor dietary, um, poor diets that they mm -hmm, had. Mm -hmm. um, so they would have recognized people who suffered with that. But the, the people in Woolpit were seeing things through a peculiar filter. The superstitions of medieval peasants back in those days, you know, they, they would have found these two young kids in unusual clothing crawl out of a pit in the ground, and they've got this weird pallor. Um, so it goes on to say, whatever the origins of the boy and the girl, the local population had decided they came from another world. So it's also inter interesting to note that one of the symptoms of anemia is an apparent disinterest in food, which could explain the children's refusal to eat there at first. Okay. So strange history is pointing out that, you know, yes, anemia was common in those days. So they would have seen people who had kind of a green tint to them, but because of the circumstances of finding these kids, Anemia wasn't the first thought on their mind. Green sickness was not the first thought. You know, they just assumed that they were green from something different. But we don't know the depth of the color green because right. neither of the writers wrote, was it a pale green? Was it a dark green, forest green? You know, was it like the leaves on the tree? Or were they just a weird, like, light green? Yeah. So we can't determine 
how green they were from the stories. Yeah, it's it's not easy. No. Being and, green. And but um it's not easy being green. How long did you guys wait for that? Yep. You, I knew, know. you knew it was coming. Um Kermit D. Frog here, uh, coming to you from the green children of Woolpit. <laughs> um That's pretty good. These kids That one may be better than mine. These kids look like me. <laughs> so But I get what you're saying. You know, whether or not, if it was just like they they had a, a maybe a a strange, you know, pale color to them that may appear green, or were they legitimately Kermit the Frog? Right. I right. mean, were they walking around like, what on earth? Yeah. You know? Like you fell into a vat of green dye. Right. Or that anemic kind of pallor. I, I tend, I tend to fall on the. It was a very pale green. Mm-hmm. I, I just. I, I can't get my head around, you know, people just looking like, yeah, you know, lizard people. Right, right. And that, you know, that would be, if nowadays you had somebody crawl out with that real green skin tone, super green skin tone, because of our cultural biases and some of the the theories that people have put out about other people, um, they're lizard people, mm-hmm. that would be the first thing that they go to now. You know, it would be that or you would be an alien. Yeah. Um, But in those days, you know, they weren't thinking of the reptilian overlords. You know, they were thinking of just a different world. Where the heck did green kids come from? I don't know. And who's going to keep, who's going to take care of them? Yeah, not me. get them to eat. Yeah, not me. I I got six kids already. I can't feed them. They've all got anemia and they got this weird color to them, but I don't know what's up with these green kids over here. They won't eat this mutton. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with them? Right. And, you know, I mean, if if they were anemic, that would explain some of the that not does. eating. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the the boy dying, you know. Right. Because some people can recover from it. Some people don't. Um, now, another possible cause of a your skin turning colors is peripheral cyanosis. And Matt, you probably have heard this term being in your field. Mm -hmm. Um, People with peripheral cyanosis may notice the following symptoms. The skin on the fingertips, toes, palms, or the feet is a bluish green color. Now the affected body parts feel cold to the touch and the color returns to normal after warming up the body. Um, Now, one of the things that causes cyanosis is that, you know, the body, all organs in the body need oxygen to carry out their functions, but a person's body absorbs oxygen from the air they breathe. The blood contains a protein called hemoglobin that carries this oxygen to the blood cells or to the body cells. Now, if the body cannot deliver enough oxygen to parts of the body, cyanosis may occur. Now, here's the problem. That doesn't cover the whole body. If you had cyanosis all over your entire body, you would be dead. Yeah. So medically, if you have a patient that's cyanotic, you will notice things like their their fingertips, especially their nail beds, will have a bluish tint to it. Their lips and around their mouth will, but it's you and sometimes their feet, but it's usually limited to that. Yep, the extremities of the body. If it was so bad that your whole body was cyanotic, you'd probably be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I mean, what happens in some of these cases is that the body will will shunt blood to the organs that it needs to stay alive, and your hands and feet aren't required to keep you alive. Right. So. It will shunt shunt blood away from your extremities so that the the liver, heart, lungs, brain, um, they all stay intact because those are the ones you got to have. Mm-hmm. So if your if your torso is becoming blue, then your your whole body is shutting down because it's going without oxygen. Right. You you are not breathing or you are not exchanging oxygen and carbon dioxide. So you're you're turning this color. Mm-hmm. So I mean that would be a life-threatening situation 
so I can't imagine that that is what they saw because the 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 green tent would have been limited to, like I said, extremities. Yep. You know, typically fingertips. I mean, I you know I've seen this. It's not somebody's entire hand. Right. And um, hypothermia can cause some of that cyanosis, but there again, it's limited to your extremities mm-hmm. and your face, maybe your lips and nose. Right, because again, um, your bo- your body is shunting blood to the organs. Yeah, you know, so to they, keep them warm. They could have been cold in the cave, but I don't believe that it would. They wouldn't have lived if right. they if they came out of the hole and were completely blue green. You know, they both would have been near death or dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I throw out the peripheral cyanosis theory that people have, you know, put forth. I don't believe that one. Um, now again, we'll go back to strange history. Another medical condition that might create green or orangey skin is what Matt was talking about before the carotinemia. Now, in most cases, the condition follows prolonged and excessive consumptions of carotene-rich food, such as carrot, squash, and sweet potatoes. Um, it's common. It, it's a common finding in children. Um, now, is it possible that the, quote, green children had been living out in the wild with a supply of carrots? Now, if you've got a slightly orangey tint to you and the melanin in your skin is a certain color, could it create kind of a green hue? Possibly. Um, I would lean away from that carotinemia though, because they weren't described as orange or brown or anything mm-hmm. in that family. Um, but in, in that same vein, like we had touched on before, if they were only eating green foods with an excess of chlorophyll, could it tint your skin a little green? And it possibly could, because we know carrots will do it. We know that um, colloidal silver will turn you blue. Uh So, you know, what you eat does, you are what you eat, basically. You know, so if you eat enough of one thing, your body shows it. Uh But I don't know if there is anything that you could eat enough of that has enough chlorophyll in it to cause you to turn green. All right. So, so bear with me on this. So do I have to? Just for a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, let's say hypothetically that they come across colloidal silver or something like this and that tints them a little blue. Or they have, they have some condition that tints them a little blue. But because of their diet or their limited sunlight, whatever, something about them, they have liver issues, which makes them jaundiced. I see where you're going. Turns them yellow. Yep. And everybody knows from watching those old Ziploc bag commercials that yellow and blue make green. Right. (laughs) So... So you combine the two and they appear green. Right. So <laughs> Well and and sounds that sounds crazy. Well just here, trying to put together what could they possibly have had going on that would make them even appear a little green. Right. Well, and here here's a thing too, all along those same lines. We're not talking colloidal silver, but let's talk cyanide. Okay. So cyanide can be found in small quantities in natural occurring foods mm-hmm. and and just out in the wild. So almonds contain mm-hmm. a small amount of cyanide. Mm-hmm. So let's say they get something like that, and that's the only food they have. So they start to get cyanide poisoning. That will shut down your liver. Cyanide poisoning starts to tint you blue. You know, they can tell by certain blue in your skin when you die that it was cyanide poisoning. So could it be something like that where, yes, they were a little bit jaundiced. They were eating foods that had more cyanide in it than they should. Um, So they got the green pallor to them. And then the boy died from Mm -hmm. cyanide poisoning. The girl was able to recover because she could maybe she was bigger she could handle older. more, older. 
something like that. So, you know, that, that's a theory that could hold some weight, but it doesn't hold much weight because none of these theories hold a lot of weight. That's right. Cause we're making them up on the fly. Well, and, and the people <laughs> that we're getting some of the theories from that are out there published yeah, they, theories don't hold much weight. Yeah. Because they were doing the same thing. They didn't understand. Nobody. Just like we don't now. Nobody has figured this case out in, you know, since 1200, 1100 AD. Nobody has figured this case out. There's not enough detail to figure it out. But we're going to conjecture, and we're going to keep conjecturing. I I mean, the, the only thing that really lends any credence to the story at all is the fact that it's recorded by two different individuals. Right. Two different historians. Correct. So, yeah, you're right. It's historians. I mean, you know, we're not going to, it's not just a tall tale that's come around for centuries. I mean, it it was recorded by two different historians. One, maybe you go, oh, well, this guy, you know, he was nipping in the mead a little too much. Right. Um, You found the wacky tobacco. Yeah, something. But if you get, get two different respected historians from that era that, you know, have, this story with similarities to it, you got to think, okay, some something happened. Right. Whether it's all that strange and unusual, we don't know. I mean, we're listening to a story about green children that even today, I mean, if somebody brought their child into the hospital and said, why is my baby green? I guarantee you there'd be some doctors going, uh, we don't really know. Let's try to figure this out. Yep. Let's but, wash them first. Did yeah, they get they, in to die? They would have had, you know, modern day, we would have, we have more technology to be able to figure out what it is. They didn't have that then. You know, th- this was, what, what do we do about this? Right. And so, you know, I think, I don't know what I think. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I found some blog posts from a couple people that were putting forth some pretty good theories about this kind of stuff. And so let's go over those and we'll, we'll see what you think after this. Now there was a blog post that was put forth by a guy named Bruce T. Now he says, quote, I've been fascinated by the story of the green children since boyhood. Here's something you may want to Google in relation to the green color. He said, look up the blue people of Kentucky. Long story short, an area of Perry County, Kentucky was settled by a family named Fugate in roughly 1800. The Fugates had a recessive gene related to their blood hemoglobin that caused them to have a blue tint to their skin. As this area was remote and hard to access until the early 20th century, the Fugates and a handful of other families in the area intermarried for decades. Due to the Fugate founder effect, the blue tint gene became dominant in that area of Perry County by the mid-19th century. Perhaps the green children were part of a similarly isolated community. Yeah. So that is a great theory to me. Sure. And the only thing that outside of that that, negates it to me is that the girl apparently lost her green color. And if it was a genetic abnormality that caused her to have a hemoglobin disorder that caused her to be a little bit green, she would never have lost that green tint. Right. And her kids may have had a green tint to their skin. So the story would be different. You know, the story would have changed to where this green lady had green kids and, you know, we may still have some green people in the gene pool today. If it were that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we hadn't, we hadn't touched on this yet, but I mean, I've got, I've got friends that are vegetarian and or vegan. Right. And their skin color is different. I mean, it's, they're usually a little more pale. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not an unhealthy pale, but you know, you're, you, you need, you need iron in your, in your system, you know, to, to help transport oxygen and everything in your blood. I mean, you know, the, the, the iron is responsible for all of that. Right. So if you know, they're with not the hemoglobin, eating, so if you, yeah, so you've got to eat iron rich vegetables. So, you know, if you, if you don't take an iron supplement, 
you know, you've, you've got to get it somewhere. And red meat is probably the biggest source. So if, if these children weren't eating red meat, weren't eating red meat or any meat when it was offered, you know, they could had an iron deficient anemia that would have caused them to be more pale. And as they learned to eat red meat, as perhaps she did, then it would go away because now you're, you know, now you're getting the, the iron that your body needs and your, your color changes a little bit. Right. Right. And it, it's, you know, again, it, it's not, none of these are, you know, the, the right ex- explanation, yeah, but just, you know, they're, their thoughts. Um, <laughs> we're spouting thoughts. I'm not even sure that we can call what we're spouting out theories. No. I, Adam's right on. It's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so a, another blog post I found um, from a guy who called himself Tacitus said, uh, there's a thought on the green skin kids. Perhaps it was a combination of jaundice and anemia. As bilirubin, the stuff that makes one turn yellow, is broken down, it can have a decided greenish cast to it. That's because one of the intermediate steps to breakdown involves biliverdin, whose color is what you expect it to be. Um, Think of the interesting palette of colors that attends a black eye as it starts to heal. Uh It would take a certain baseline skin tone to make this work out visually, but siblings also often have a resemblance to one another. Then we have the theory, two kids, both very jaundiced. That would imply one of the infectious forms of jaundice, such as hepatitis A, obtained by exposure to human waste. As a rule, crawling out of a hole in the ground makes a bit of sense there. So hepatitis A is something that you either recover from fully or die from. So one lives a normal, non-pigmented life, the other dies. Nausea and anorexia are symptoms of active disease. So he makes a, a I, pretty decent I point, like, too. I like his thinking. Yeah. I do. So you have kids who have hepatitis A from you know, not such a clean environment back in the 1100s. You know, they may have been in this cave for a while and they have hepatitis A, a little bit jaundiced with a certain skin tone and they come out looking a pale green color. The boy dies because he doesn't recover from it. She ends up recovering from it and being able to eat and then her skin tone comes back and she lives a normal life. So. To me, that's one of the more sound theories we have, and it's coming from a random blog post. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, like I said, that's that's the most sound one that yeah. I've heard. Um, it makes more sense than peripheral cyanosis. Um, it makes more sense than the anemia that mm-hmm. we talked about because all of those have other symptoms that people back then would either know or you wouldn't it wouldn't affect the whole body or they would just die. So to me, the hepatitis A jaundice type theory works best for me. Now, where was the land of St. Martin? Hell if I know. I I mean, who knows? That's a whole nother, a whole nother train of thought that I I can't get into because we don't have enough information. Yeah. I mean, and, and even if you're beginning to consider, a, as we mentioned earlier, an area of the world that where, you know, day, daylight was shortened and you, you had this, um, you had this, uh, this dusk that persisted where, which, you know, would appear like it's twilight most mm-hmm. all the time as, as they reported, um, there's none of those areas where they could just wander away away from and wind up in wool pits. Right. I mean, you know, it it's just not reasonable if you if you look at a map that there's any land that would experience this where 
their tale of how they got there wasn't months of journeys, you know, where, where they had to traverse, you know, thousands of miles. Minus the time slip theory. Right. You know, <laughs> that's, I mean, but again, I mean, that, you just by default have to go to something like this. You know, if, if they were actually from a land like they described and then arrived in Woolpit, that, I hate to say it, but it's the only thing that really makes a lot of sense, you know, but if you, if you start thinking maybe they were captive, you know, maybe they, uh, maybe they were being brainwashed, Mm -hmm. told, you know, this is, this is where you, you, this is our, our land. This is where we live and this is how we do it. This is what we eat. And that's all you ever know. Why wouldn't you believe it? Sure. Sure. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, well, okay. Stockholm syndrome. I get it. I mean, I think if you're born in captivity and you don't know anything else, you know, you believe whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't you're told. necessarily be Stockholm syndrome at that point. It would just be, this is life. I don't know any different. It's like so, Stockholm syndrome to the extreme. Right, right. So, I mean, we didn't come up with any conclusions. Um, we didn't. <laughs> No, we really didn't. We didn't solve the case or anything, but you know, to me, it's a very interesting bit of Fortiana that's been around for a long, long time. And it's one of those that the reason it's interesting to me is because nobody has figured it out. There's not been any sound theories or anything like that. And Matt, I conjectured a lot tonight, but you know, we want to know what you guys think. Yeah, we've given you some leafy green food for thought. Mm-hmm. Eat so these beans. And... Let us know what you think. Yep. You know, is this a story and that's all it is? Did it really happen? Were these kids really green? Where did they come from? You know, let us know what you, maybe you've come across this story and you've got a theory of your own. Yep. Or maybe you came across theories that we didn't talk about right. that you think are more sound. Right. Right. So, so let us know. Um, and the best way to let us know is to check us out on social media. Because you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can tweet Adam your theories or join our Facebook group. I mean, there's a lot of discussions like this. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. There are some great people in this group. They mm-hmm. are well, well versed in a lot of the topics that Adam and I cover. Way better than. You oh know, yeah, you or I are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they have just fantastic information to share, and it's probably something that you might be interested. So yep. if you haven't already, just jump in that group and and just enjoy. Yep. The graveyard family is some of the best people that you got we it. could ever hope to interact with. You got it. And don't forget to go to our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com and on the website. You can find links to buy our merchandise, and we've got you know a new design that's been up there just a few weeks, and it's fantastic. So check that out. Um, you can become a patron, and we've talked about um, you know our our patron. Pat- I can't talk. <laughs> our Patreon preview. Say that five times fast. I can't. I'm gonna let you do it. And you know, if you want to know how to become a patron, then our website is the best place to check. Um, but you can also listen to the show uh, and find out more about Adam and myself. And there's, you know, more pictures that are showing up on there. So you can, you know, yep. see what we really look like. And on the website, if you can't become a patron and donate monthly to help us out, there is a one-time donation button on the bottom of the website there to scroll down and you can do a one-time donation. If, you know, you're so inclined to help us out in that way, um, we love everybody that is able to help us out and we understand if you can't make a monthly donation, we get it totally, but if you can drop us a buck, anything like that, we, we greatly appreciate that. That's right. It helps us keep the show going. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>